Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. of Junior Dones the Spark. Last week we started an interview with strategic partnership expert Paul von Kirkbach. During the interview we talked about technology and market success. On today's program we will watch the second half of the interview which discusses trust and leadership. If you missed part one you can visit juniordone.com, search for Paul von Kirkbach and view the interview in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy it. I don't want to miss the opportunity to Pardon. have you say a few words of developing or having trust in leaders, how they develop, how they live it, and why is it important? Yeah, um, I think the on, on the trust level, that that is a, a very important... Um, there are several levels of trust, especially if you talk about international business. Um, the first element from my point of view is personal character. Um, if I see in a leader that he has not this personal character, I'm getting very careful in negotiating deals because it means that there is a lot of uncertainty in terms of what a win-win situation is very easy then looked as I take the first and the second win, as one of my founders said, with a morally questionable other side. Um, so it's very hard to, to, to reach a very good contract there if you are having not a trustworthy counterpart. The second element is if you're thinking of, of trust and that forms trust is the de definition, uh, the discussion about truth. And truth is, of course, a highly philosophic topic, but you need to understand that truth, especially in business settings, depends on the perspective. To make a, a very simple case, a soldier in a war situation who is set there to hold a position to protect a larger share of the group and who will pay that position with his life will think that the general made a mistake in that decision because he's paying it with his life. From the general's perspective, on the other hand, who has the responsibility for the whole troop, this might be still a very valid point he's making, but it means that leadership needs to take responsibility. And this is where I see a lot of challenges at the moment, especially in larger organizations, where this level of true responsibility and saying, 
I messed up for that and I take the, the charge for that is unfortunately in some organizations not really strongly supported and that has also to do with failure culture they are coming many aspects into that but this is a a second very so this truth aspect in terms of perspective matters a lot to the level of trust and character the third element where which is important in that's what i see is if you talk about inter um, international negotiations because there it's about even if you have the same high character mindset if even if you have a similar perspective or you understand the, the other perspective then the consequence you drive from that as the third point is very different from nation to nation so to give you an example i, w I used to work in larger organizations in the u.s or, or uh, u.s-based companies and i was stationed uh, in europe let's say that that's the more accurate way um where if the manager makes a decision this decision gets executed and there's no no way around you comply or you comply um i was in a situation in the netherlands for example where i thought we we had the decision we made the decision or the the manager made the decision said okay we are going down this route and nobody was moving and the, so the the dutch culture has the concept of what they call outpolden which basically means to get everybody aligned and that comes from the water management where you if you win land so historically really deep rooted um that you need everybody and everybody's support if one doesn't comply with the whole system doesn't function but in management, it means a complete reverse thinking. So you need to do much more diplomacy in a positive way. And there are also very good sides of that, where you need to anticipate, how do I convince everybody in the group that this is the right decision? So these things are, for me, when it comes to trust, very important to anticipate and also to realize this can lead to an issue in a contract negotiation and how can we tackle that today or maybe we need to plan for it to tackle it tomorrow the questions that occur to me are does every culture agree on what character is or what but, truth is no matter to which region you go in the world leadership requires that people trust you and that means that there is alignment between what you say and what you do and if you go down to that basic level i would say that there is a large global agreement yes there are always exemptions and there are there are flavors of that um certainly globally uh, different but I think on that level the character level I think is pretty straightforward at, at least if you're talking leadership on 
true? Excuse me, across cultures or across Western cultures? Across cultures. Also, if you go to China, you, you don't follow somebody where you know you will be betrayed. You don't do that. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's also in Russia. If you talk with Russian people, I mean, which are now uh, under Putin, of course, in a very difficult situation. But Putin, there is a reason why Putin managed to stay that long under, under such difficult times in position. That might be not my attitude, or it's surely not mine, but it is something where he managed to gain trust around him. Otherwise, he would, you can't get into such a position easily without the support of others. And that requires trust and leadership. And is the, the role they take in Russia of truth the same as ours? Or any country, really? France, China? Let me say it differently. It's, again, the one thing is seeing the same picture so having the same perspective soldier general and i don't mean that hierarchical that can be also looking at the same thing from the left and from the right but the overall thing is what do you do if the picture is the same how, how do you react to that and that can be culturally very different and i developed the french market and i learned it the tough way, let's say it that way. I was um, very German, I used it as a differentiator, but people told me you can't develop that because you're too German. Um, I don't agree to that. If you understand the other side and you understand this perspective, that doesn't mean you need to agree, but you need at least to understand it. And that goes then back into if you think of people like Marshall B. Rosenberg on um, uh, communication and how to communicate in a non-aggressive manner, um, that helps a lot in, also in these intercultural um, conflicts or intercultural ch business challenges to overcome them. You need to understand, okay, how does the other side take? And that that also depends. It's not like one French takes exactly like the other one. There's so much of individual elements in there. And that's where emotional empathy comes a lot back in. And also with China. Yes, it's for us very difficult to see, to read the Chinese mindset and to, to truly understand that. And I'm not sure if I ever will be able to truly do that. But there are certainly elements to which we can agree. And if you have these elements, then from that moment, you can build on a relationship. But this will take time. There's so much the, the trust building element in the, also in the Chinese culture. The, I think it is um, the Guai Chi um, which is uh, about the relations you're having. And these, building up these relations takes time and take, takes trust. And that, again, comes down to, are you doing what you're saying? Do you keep your word? Very, very simple, very basic things. 
And this is also where then no matter which religion or value set you're looking, lying in a relation, whatever, if it's business, if it's personal, it doesn't matter, is not acceptable in all uh, cultures globally. That seems to be like short term. What if the long term goals are in, contract, in contrast with each other? Uh, one country wants to dominate the world and has a very long plan to achieve it. Um, what is the role of trust and truth there? Do you accept it? Do you try to mitigate it? Do you hope for change? And then what happens if someone dies or gets removed? The power games, uh, and there you just need to look into Machiavel. Uh, and I, I'm, I remember that the first time I, I read Machiavelli, my stomach turned upside down and I said, this can't be true. Um, let's say it that way. If the sheer aim is power, this will require sometimes um, also non-moral behavior. The question is, how do you justify it? And this is a very, very difficult and probably highly philosophical there's, I think there is not one good answer. I think there are so many good answers because it depends on so many factors. I find that it's hard right now for people to settle down and concentrate on a discussion. It's a lot of flip, flipping, you know, quick, quick, quick. For example, let's personalize. It's me too. In New York, I take the paper version as well as the email of Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and I read it every day. When I get to Michigan, I just do the electronic and therefore it's a complete skim. I don't spend that kind of time on it. If, so if I, I have a deeper, I don't want to say understanding, but at least awareness of what the paper says versus what I read briefly uh, on the email. And I wonder how to talk to people who are just like the Michigan side of me, you know, just on the surface kind of thing. But as you know, I'm a generalist with a lot of interest, so I know a little bit about, you know, this and that. Um, and I, I, I am thinking about this because I'm a citizen and I, I want our culture to survive. So, and I know you do work in America. What kind of work do you do in America? Actually, I'm working uh, in the. Um, I'm on the advisory board of a uh, startup from uh, Newton area, so Boston, Greater Boston area, and that's a uh, a chemical startup that develops very specific additives uh, that are used, for example, in uh, to increase cell growth um, for biotech industry. And there, I work with the founder and uh, and the team to see to set up um, contracts and um, to, to, to build the strategy to go into the market. What I, I, I agree with you on, on the point of 
attention span and this is actually getting sometimes to a level where I believe this is counterproductive because people for re the, the real heart problems you can't solve them in oh just a 30 second thing that doesn't work the 30 second thing is the idea but then to work it out and to get to solutions is something that takes a lot of time and a lot of concentration and thought process and even decision meditation as crazy as it sounds um, I came in one business book across a um, way to meditate decisions that the Jesuits used to actually get to good decisions um, on, on their uh, when they were uh, when they had to do some and the process is basically you look at a decision from today but also from in five years time and in their case from the deathbed I think that's a little bit too extreme there I would prefer to go to the retirement age of somebody and I used that myself to actually come to decisions and understand where do things don't feel right and you need to this is something you don't learn in business school easily to judge where does your feeling actually lead misguide you and make hinder good decisions in a certain uh, way because you feel not good with it and that's important to realize because that can block you down the road when you negotiate so that's what I'm doing there uh, very often with these startup also sitting down with them and saying okay what does that mean if we take this decision how can we actually go from there the next steps does does that make sense if we look at it from a 10 years, 15 years time horizon? So, and that's a horizon that many of the um, classical venture capitalists don't like that much. They, they look at, okay, and I understand their perspective. I want a quick exit after three, five, seven years, and that's it, even in deep tech, which is from my point of view, more on the short side. Um, yes. But I understand it also from their perspective because they want to generate for their shareholders profit. But it doesn't create the long-term value. And I think if we do not find their good answers, um, we need to, to work on our system. And I don't mean in a socialist way, certainly not. I had actually last week in Israel a discussion with somebody who studied in Israel economics and he said we had kibbutz economics and the goal was the, so a kibbutz is a community which produces and where people live together in basically a, a, like a small community and in the kibbutz economics you are only doing your job right if both society and business go well and grow mm. well 
this is something I think we can learn more of. Um, yes. It's, it's difficult to implement. And it takes a lot of leadership and also a lot of vision to say, I'm here, let me start working on that. Being very proactive. And that's, that's the whole thing why I see for the younger generation uh, so important. Learn to become proactive. Learn to fight for something even if you think you don't have a chance. Because you suddenly find allies on the way. Allies you wouldn't have thought of. And that's, that's the positive part of it. So um, it's a little bit uh, comical uh, said for, uh, in, uh, I think it was Rambo in Afghanistan, where he stands in front of the whole Russian army and uh, the colonel asks him, hey, what do we do? Well, we can't surround them. And that's very often a situation that you face if you're especially in a startup or in a small organization and you still want to solve something. It feels like a whole army is coming towards you. You're overwhelmed. And it's a very difficult thing to, to deal with that. So then you need to find the self-motivation to find it and and to fight it and to say okay what is what can i do today to make it at least one little step better and yes you know it's not enough yet so you will try your, your best thing the next day again and it's a tough thing and it's not fun but so wait, let's just I, excuse me i didn't mean to interrupt continue um but if, if you do that for a, a longer time period, suddenly things build up and you build momentum. And that's where you then suddenly get support from people you wouldn't even consider that they are yes. around you and, and they join you, uh, you in your uh, endeavor. And that coming to those points, the, those are the most thankful points I was able to get in my life so far where people from unthought areas suddenly came to support me. What are the satisfactions of doing your work? Um, I'm in a super lucky situation to be allowed to work on things that, that fascinate me, that keep me on the go. And For me, that's a lot of satisfaction. I know there is a life without a, a goal is actually getting very quick, very boring. And then you're just thinking, okay, when do I get out of this job? If you're in that situation, I think you better, better leave the job and find something where you say, yes, this is driving me. And there are life is too short to say okay i limit myself to the some hours i'm having outside uh, work and just do the things at home i think this is really important to find something where you can say 
you can be ready you're fascinated by the topic to truly go and truly push forward because no matter what you do you'll come at points where the going gets tough and where it's really like why the heck do I need to get out of bed but if you are then working on something which at least where you know this is an personal important topic it's easier to find that motivation and that's why I think it's very very important to find work that motivates you and also having the the trust in a higher deity to say if I'm not in that position to leave it and to go for make the extra leap I'm so happy that we've had this time together, the double the time. I really am very happy that you uh, and I sat down uh, because you are talking things that people can live by. And that is to, as uh, <laughs> your fellow would say, challenge authority. You know, myself, I, I could get very opinionated, but mentally in my head, what I do is automatically double check by taking a few opposite uh, positions mentally, mentally, and just play them out. Uh, you know, I might learn something. But also to dedicate yourself out of your culture. I mean, I think that's amazing. You went from a culture that emphasized the bureaucracy to innovation and what could encourage it. And you encourage it through, you know, character and truth and so forth, but also motivated to see it through and to know that there are really tough times to push back at you and you just continue, you persevere. And I will say there's a time to probably pull back and reconsider and redeploy or maybe something else. But a lot of things really come through because of persistence. And I like the fact that you have engaged yourself in different continents. I mean, you're in America and you're in Israel and Europe and good for you. So you are living the life that you you describe for everybody else, you should have a sense of satisfaction in the day and the general uh, thought that what you are doing is for whatever the good you are, or you hold value, which is often the common good, but also could be economic, could be a lot of things, could be family, could be anything. So thank you for joining. And I, uh, for my audience, remember to go out and do something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know and do it every day. And I'll see you next time. So thank you so, so much, Paul. To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.